The following sermon is brought to you by New Covenant Community Church, a Bible-based church located on Route 62 east of Johnstown, Ohio. To learn about New Covenant Community Church, visit www.new-covenant.org. Again, that is new-covenant.org. Now, enjoy the message. Amen. Please be seated as you're taking your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. We'll be in verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 12 that we can all collectively go to in our Bibles. So, uh, welcome to all of you here. It's obviously always so good to see all of you and those joining us online as well. Love you all so very much. And uh, before I do preach today, though, however, I, I do feel it would be wise for me to give you the disclaimer that... Um, this type of message is, is the kind of message that I, I just recognize that some people will not like. And, uh, and I've preached messages like this before. There are times where the Lord is just so strong in his leading for the preacher of God's word to, to preach a certain thing. And, uh, and, and I recognize, as it has been in the past, that there are messages I preach that are the very reason that there are people that were in the room previously that are no longer in the room with us. And that's okay. And I just know in wisdom that that will probably be the case this morning as well. And, uh, but before you were to go, however, you're, you're still here in the room right now, I guess. And uh, I guess two things that I would just love for you to know before, if this indeed ends up being the last Sunday morning that you attend New Covenant Community Church, which may be the case for some of you. Um, I just hope you go knowing that I love you. And, and my always the goal always has been from this pulpit to to get you to champion, to see Christ for who he is such that you champion him and his word in your life. That's, that's, I've, I've always loved you in that way, and it has never been about making people angry for the sake of people being angry. We're in a world full of angry people. We don't need any more of them. So it's, that's never been my goal. And the other thing that I would just hope that you would consider, and maybe even consider when deciding whether or not to return to attend New Covenant Community Church, I'd love for you to ask yourself the question, what gain does Pastor Ben have in preaching a message like this? What gain does the preacher have in preaching a message that very likely will shrink his church? There are people that are joining us online this morning that I fully expect may not ever log back in again. And I just hope that you would ponder that question of, of why I would do that. And, and, and hopefully the answer will be something used of the Lord to draw you closer to him. So, But if we're in Hebrews chapter 12... I invite you to look to verse 1, where we read, and it says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So if you're not familiar with this text, you're probably asking yourself, who are these cloud of witnesses? What is this weight? What is sin? And what is this race referenced there at the end of verse 1? And before we get into the details of that, you also might be wondering what these pieces of tape, if you can't see them in the back, you can probably see them if you're watching online, but for all of those of you that are here, I have two pieces of tape, one here and one over there, and I'd like to use this as an illustration this morning that will help us interpret God's Word as we, as we make sense of God's Word 
and interpret it. If, if you can imagine that this line represents salvation and everything on this side represents non-believers. It represents being lost in sin, broken because of sin, and recipients of the curse of sin in eternity and all that happens when somebody is, is not underneath the blood of Christ. And then that's what this section represents. And this line represents salvation, that when someone moves across that line, that the blood of Christ becomes their covering of sin and the mercy of God is imparted to them. And they're, they're, when God sees them, they see Christ because they're in Christ. They're buried in His death and they're raised to life in the likeness of His resurrection also. And, and this space between these two lines represents the journey or the race, if you will. It represents us moving forward to this next line, which is being perfect in Christ's image, be it his return, his hopefully soon coming return. I mean, I'd be happy not to make it to Tuesday. I don't know about you, but it'd be great if Jesus came back like now or Monday or Tuesday early or something. But if we just imagine that this line is, is being made perfect, bodies being transformed when Christ returns, or, or to be absent from this body if our bodies die, to be present with the Lord, that we're made perfect in His image. And, and this is the journey of, of becoming more like that. That's, let, let's just use this illustration for the rest of the sermon to help us understand these things. So, so who is this cloud of witnesses referenced in verse 1 there? Well, if you know your Bible well, you'll know in Hebrews chapter 11, it references the faith of many Old Testament children of God. Abraham, Sarah, Moses, Rahab, Samuel, just among a few. There are many others mentioned, but it references those people faithfully on that journey to go from where they are to where they ought to be. From where they are in their prostitution and their mess and all the other Moses trying to be disobedient to God and all these things, but they're moving forward. It lifts them up and says, because of so great a cloud of witnesses, because you've got all these examples of people moving this way, let us run this race of endurance, God's Word says. So that's this cloud of witnesses. Hopefully that's clear. I hope it's also clear what sin and what weight is. And I think a definition would help us here we should hopefully be clear with what sin is and if we were to tag a paraphrase from God's word definition to it we could say that sin would be biblically non-permissible acts that Christians are commanded to lay aside is that fair everyone nods your head yes if you think that's fair like okay hopefully that biblically non-permissible acts that Christians are commanded to lay aside hopefully that is inextricably clear that that is what sin is and what about weight because it says lay aside every weight and the sin talking of two different things I think as best I can tell from scripture that weight could be defined as biblically permissible acts that Christians are commanded to lay aside. So sin, biblically non-permissible acts that Christians are commanded to lay aside, and weight being biblically permissible acts that Christians are indeed commanded to lay aside. So that's the cloud of witnesses, that's the sin and the weight, the race which we've already referenced is that journey forward, going from where you are to where you ought to be, moving towards godliness as it was for Moses, Sarah, Abraham, Rahab, Samuel, and a host of others now you might say pastor Ben, where's the issue in all this that all sounds good we've got the biblical interpretation of hebrews 12 1 down thumbs up let's move on except for the fact that the devil has indeed attacked not just the church at large not just the church in america but this church particularly 
by getting people to believe a lie regarding weight. The devil has gotten people to believe a lie regarding weight. And here's what I mean by that. The Bible is clear, especially from this text explicitly, which spells it out so clearly for us, that weight is to be laid aside. That weight is not something to love. That weight is something on this journey from where you are to where you ought to be and moving towards godliness, that weight slows you down. That in a race that you're running, you shouldn't put dumbbells in your pants. It's you're running a race and weight is absolutely to be cast aside. The same thing that you do with sin, you're also to do with weight. And the great lie that the devil has gotten many to believe, that he has deceived many and many even in this room to believe, is that nothing wrong with weight. Love weight. It's good to have weight. The devil has deceived a generation of believers to believe that the more weight you have, the more you'll be able to minister to all these lost people, that weight is fine to have, and, and that remaining in this place, not unsaved, just past salvation, but in this weight-loving, lukewarm, stagnant place of not progressing forward, not running a race, but to stay in this place, the devil has deceived many into believing that, that this is a good place to be. And the way that he has done it is kind of like it has been for a frog boiling in a pot of water. It's been a slow thing of, of a generation of Christians forgetting that, that we're supposed to go this way. This is the right way from where to go the way it was for Rahab to go this way. The way it was for Moses to go this way, we've forgotten that this is indeed the right way to go. And, and, and we've, 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 been, we've been attracted by the weight that the rest of the world holds. So it turns our head. It makes us look back this way. It makes us start to, instead of running this way, we start slowing down and then we go down to a walk. And then all of a sudden our bodies are turned this way. And, and we start to go this way as we're so attracted to weight. And, and we'll even bring up to where we're right here. And we don't want to go here, but we want to be as close as we can possible so that we can be close to this kind of weight. It's been a slow process of how this has happened. Last week I preached about something that I believe explicitly was an attack of the devil against this church as it is for this week. The only difference between last week and this week is that last week I was preaching against things that the devil does that, that inherently hurt you. Things that hurt you. Things that you don't like yourself. Things that, that hurt you. And the reason that this message will come as an offense to many is because I'm going to be preaching against things that you love today. Things that the devil has gotten you to love. And so my goal is very simple. It's simply to expose, as I did last week, what it is that the devil has unrightfully gotten us to love and to simply shed a light on the thing that's worth loving. Um, it is worth mentioning right now that if you are new here, I know we have visitors every single week. If you are a, if you are a new believer, if, if following Christ is new to you, or if you are immature in your faith, perhaps you've been a Christian for a long time, which is the case for many people today. You've been a Christian for a long time, but you have been fed horrible nonsense out of the scripture. And, and you just, you have stayed in an immature place. And I'm not beating up on you. I'm, I'm saying you're immature and that's, that's where you are. And we want to mature you. We want you to go this way. But I, I just want to put the asterisk in there that if you're a new believer or if you're immature in your faith, 
Know that I'm not angry at you. I'm not preaching against your, you and your life. I, I intend to love you and disciple you and see that you're facing like Moses was and Rahab and Samuel and all the people that were running this good race set before them. What I'm preaching against today are people that, that really know better, that are loose in their faith. They are lukewarm. They are weight-loving. And, and even if you're in that camp, I love you, but I, but I love you enough to tell you that you are indeed deceived about some things. And I'd love for the blinders to come off your eyes today um, so what are some examples of weight and if you're looking for the part to be angry about that leaves you storming out never coming back you're about ready to get it so just get your pencils ready so what are examples of some weight remembering our definition of weight biblically permissible acts that Christians are commanded to lay aside weighty things that prohibit us from running this race set before us. And obviously that definition is gotten from the text there to lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. So here's some examples, and this is by no means an exhaustive list. Here's just a few that I just threw down that came to mind of weight. Violent movies, gluttonous consumption of social media, food, entertainment, or gluttonous consumption of anything. Dating without the purpose and goal of marriage. Immodest clothing. Immodest swimwear. Alcohol in the absence of drunkenness. Fear disguised as wisdom. Anything that's weighty, anything that prohibits you from mimicking the holiness of our Savior could be deemed as weight. Now, if I could be hearing your thoughts, which just to let you know, I cannot, but our Lord can. If I could be hearing your thoughts right now, some of you I would be hearing, if, if, if I could see above all, if all, above all of our heads were just text bubbles that we could see each other's thoughts, what you would see around some of the people in the room today is, is biblical defenses for your most favorite weight. If I could hear your thoughts right now, that's what I would be hearing. And I would just like to, let's see this for what it is. Let's see what the devil has actually done so we can see it. Let's, let's put it out in the light today so we can see exactly what has happened. Because when you bring this down to the real core of what it is that the devil has gotten believers, church as a whole to do, it's almost mind-boggling when you see it for what it is. It's not just people loving weight what the devil has gotten Christians to do is to use the Bible to go this way. The devil has deceived people to use God's holy word to see how close to this that they can get without going here. And something about that just seems so wrong. It's like, when, when have we lost that, that God's word is there to show us how to go this way? It's not the goal to see how close we can get to sin without being in sin, but the goal is indeed to go this way, the race that we're going from where we are to where we ought to be. And that has caused some specific things that have happened of, of believers now using God's Word to argue this way. And I hear this argument commonly among a whole bunch of different things, but one of which being alcohol. They say, well, didn't Paul tell Timothy to, to have a drink for his stomach? And didn't Jesus turn water into wine? And, and, the, and God's word is used to argue to go this way. And, and there's almost this spiritual pride that comes with, well, I can be here because God's word says, and it's like, well, okay, if you were such a biblical smarty pants, you would know that the word used for alcohol in the, old, in, in, in the original language that God's word was first inspired into was the word yayin. And it described six different types of wine. The first five being different flavors, different thicknesses, different colors. 
The last one, the sixth one, denoting the ones that had fermented and could get you drunk. And it was only seen in those days that only the most heathen barbarians would, would drink that kind of thing, which there's a very good argument that that is not the kind of wine that we have today is not the kind of wine that Jesus turned water into and, and that Paul prescribed to Timothy that the, the good, healthful benefits of regular raw grape juice were the things that were used back in those. But even if I'm wrong, even if I'm 100% wrong in that argument, does it not sound strange to you that we take God's word to argue to go this way? To see how close we can get to sin? I've heard these murmurings around our church because it is true, and I'll be transparent with all of you as I'm moving more people through the membership process, and, and people, that's one of the things that we agree to as a membership, that we're, not, we're going to abstain from the use of, of alcohol as a beverage, to sell it, to buy it, to use it. it we're going to agree as a group of believers to abstain from that. And, and I've heard these murmurings. No one's been brave enough to talk to me except for one young man in the church. I hear these murmurings. It's like, well, that's unbiblical that New Covenant Community Church would have people that you have to agree to not drink and, and it's biblically permissible. And it's like, well, wait a second. When you really boil it down, membership is where we're pulling leaders from. And who would you not want your children's Bible teacher to use God's Word to go this way rather than this way. I want the Bible teachers in this church to use God's Word to argue to go this way. I think that's a reasonable request. I think that's plain. I think that's a wonderful idea. I think it's a good idea that we use God's Word to argue to go for this way, for holiness, to be holy as He is holy. Just as we're commanded to lay aside the weight, the sin and the weight which bogs us down like we've got dumbbells in our pants trying to run this race before us. Why would we use God's Word to argue to go the wrong way? And, and be clear, church, that the devil leaving people here that people love to be in, the weight-loving place to be in, it is the reason that lost people validate their sin. It is. You can argue that all you want, but it absolutely is. If you watch overly violent movies, it's the reason that the law, it's the reason that everybody out here is watching pornography. It's because they're watching you and you're the reason they have validated their sin. If you drink in just moderation, in the complete absence of drunkenness, you're the reason that drunkards are validating their sin. It's the absolute reason. Some of you don't like to hear that, but it is the truth. Christians dating without the purpose and goal in marriage, it is the reason that the world is fornicating today. Make no mistake, you may not like to hear that, that the world is watching you, but indeed you are. That's why the devil loves people being here and not progressing forward as is so clear in Scripture. People ask me all the time of why I think our society has seen such a moral decline. It's pretty clear to me. It's pretty clear. You, you know, one of the dumbest things I do in ministry, and I did it a lot as a youth pastor, and I'm still doing it today as a senior pastor, is I will, I will mentor and disciple someone's child, be that child an adult or not, and I'll be with them and arguing for this way. Holiness, godliness, go towards Christ. Be a light in your influence of the sphere that God has put you in. Go this way. Go towards godliness. Go towards holiness. And then that person, that child, be they adult or not, will go home, and then their parent will argue this way. It's like, come on. I mean, why would you go this way? Why is anything about this way in this scale attractive? The reality is, church, is that most people today, and even most believers, there is a place inside their heart where there's a stop sign. 
And they have said to God, you may come this far, but come no further. I like this thing. Don't mess with this. Don't mess with this part of my life. Don't mess with this part of what I consume. Don't mess with this part. Most people have a stop sign in their heart that they put in front of Christ in that kind of way. And the reason is, is because people love weight. Weight is fun for a lot of people. Most people don't give a rip about this race to run towards godliness and towards Christ-likeness. People love weight. People love looking like the world. Why would you want to look like the world? Jesus even said, Luke 6.26, Woe to you when all men speak well of, well of you. It, when all men, when, 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 he, when everybody, when you're here and everyone over here and everyone here is perfectly happy with you, woe to that person. Woe to that person. So here's my plea to you this morning. And gentlemen, this is the first slide. is to simply lay aside weight. Say those words with me. Lay aside the weight. Don't use the Bible to argue for how close you can get to sin. Use it to argue to go this way. If you were at a race and you saw a marathon runner sticking dumbbell in, in dumbbells in his pants, you'd be like, what are you doing? That's not the point. The, po the point is to run with endurance. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And let us not add on weight. Let us cast aside this weight just like we do for sin. Now, people that are still deceived right now are still thinking to themselves, well, pastor, he's a young pastor and, 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 and you're too prideful to think that perhaps a young pastor that God could work through and convict your heart about some of these things. But, but people that are really honest and I, and I hope that there are people who are in the room right now whose hearts are saying, yes, like Ben, I, I understand what you're saying and there's some weight that God has been convicting me about and this is, this is making it certain that there's some weight in my life that I need to get out and, and get rid of some of this kind of weight and how do I get rid of this weight? What's What's the Bible tell me of how to get rid of this weight? And I would just caution you to remember that within yourself, in your own strength, that weight, biblical weight, as we're seeing it here in the first part of Hebrews 12, is essentially impossible for you to lay aside weight in your own strength. It's certainly true for sin, hopefully you know that, but I believe it's also absolutely true for weight also, that it's very difficult for you just to will yourself into casting off this kind of weight. This is why I have hundreds, if not thousands of times interacted with people who, Christians, who love the Lord, but they also love a lot of weight too, that will have non-alcohol in the absence of drunkenness and they'll as almost as a way to prove their will will say well i'm just going to not do it for a while i uh, drunkenness has never been a problem for me but i'm just going to i'm just going to put away the 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 fun using or social drinking whatever you want to call it. i'm just going to put it away for a while every single time church they fail they can't do it and the reason is because they're addicted People are addicted to weight. That's why we're supposed to do the same thing with it as we do with sin is lay it aside. Cast it off. You can't be addicted to those things. And we have forgotten that believers are supposed to cast off sin and weight also. So I'm going to give you the biblical answer. And I simply just wish to share with you what this biblical answer has looked like on people. So if you look to verse 2 now, where we read and it says, Looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne 
of God. Now, Jesus did something there that was so very practical. And he gave us a wonderful model to follow. And this is the second slide, gentlemen, that you can go to now. It's to simply live with the heavenly joy in view. To live with the heavenly joy in view. Here was where Christ is on earth to go through this earthly ministry. And there was some stuff that he needed to march through, like a cross like a crucifixion, like a cat of nine tails, and all, even all the other mess of dealing with people's sin along the way. And the thing God's Word says, the very thing was the joy that was set before Him that kept Him marching forward. Now, we don't know because God's Word doesn't tell us explicitly what that joy was or what that joy is. But let's take some biblical stabs at it, shall we? Jesus is in this place, has some stuff to march through, and he's got this joy before him. Here's some things that that joy perhaps could have been. is going back to the Father, going back to being at his right hand on the throne, in power, in heaven, that, that, that perhaps the joy was having won our salvation, going to a world that we know that he loved, even in their sin condition, that he would come to redeem this world and save them, that, that he had this vision of, of being in heaven, in power, with his redeemed children that he's, he's the rescuer of, and that he's the savior of. And, and whatever that joy was, it kept him marching, and it kept him going, and it kept him from where he was to where he ought to be and finishing the cross for us and finishing redemption for us and, and being raised back to life and being ascended back up high onto power. It was the joy that was set before him. So what should we do, church, in laying aside... We ought to remember that the joy is before us. What Christ has done that, that, the, that the devil who has deceived us to love baggage, is a, it's a lie. It's a lie to love baggage and it does great harm for people to be here. I understand why God said in the book of Revelation, I think it's, it's a 317, I think where it says, God says, I, you're, you're lukewarm. I'd rather you be hot or cold. And I think maybe as a pastor, I start to understand why is because the greatest harm to the church today is lukewarm people right here. If you're a heathen and you're drinking and sleeping around again, I mean, the whole world knows you're just like everyone else. Like, like you're not anyone's standard, but when you're here, it starts to blur this line of salvation. I'd rather you be cold or hot, not in this lukewarm place. So what do we do? I, I, I mean, I could, I could grab you by the collar. I could preach to you for 18 hours. I could do all these things. But, but when we set our eyes to the joy that is set before us, church, this biblical answer, do you know what this looks like on people? When, when you get someone's heart to really see the gospel, when you get someone's heart to see our Savior dragging a cross up Calvary's hill, a bruised and bloodied Savior to die the sinner's death that we all deserve, every single one of us deserved, and you have that vision, it starts to pull at your heart. And, and then all of a sudden, the argument is, oh, how close to here can I get? The argument then becomes, I want to cast it all off. I want to go this way. I want to be holy like my Savior is. You start to cast off the weight. The question doesn't become, how can I use God's Word to get as close? No, it's you, you just start casting it off because you don't care anymore. You start casting off the weight for the joy, the wonderful joy of our Savior. And the reason that many people have, have deceived those around you is because, is because you're not a believer. You're as lost as a ball in tall weeds and you've tricked a bunch of people into thinking that you're saved, but you still love what the world loves. And you, you don't, the reason you don't have a joy set before you to march towards is because you don't even believe in the joy. You don't even believe in the cross. 
You don't even believe what has happened. The devil has so blinded the hearts of men that you love darkness rather than light. You love weight more than people love Christ and want to walk towards Him. Want to, want to run this race with endurance that is set before us. Casting off all sin and lots of other stuff too. So the question I have for you, church, is is Christ worth laying aside weight is he worth laying aside weight? Biblically permissible acts that Christians ought to lay aside. Is Jesus worth that? Is the cross worth that? Is his resurrection worth that? Is the home that he's made for us in heaven worth that? Because Peter thought so as they're dragging him up to crucify him. And he says, crucify me upside down. I'm not even worthy to be crucified like my Savior. Paul thought so as he was being beaten for his faith and for what he was teaching. The church in Canada today, this very moment, thinks so as they're going in and arresting pastors and elders and fining them like you wouldn't believe because they won't shut their down the church because of COVID. They believe it. They believe that what Christ did is worth it. That, that it's worth laying aside some weight to run this race. Zacchaeus thought so as he served Christ with a reckless abandon to, to pay back more, lay aside weight. He, he made it right. He didn't just make it right with the people he robbed. He went above and beyond that. Why? Because it wasn't just sin. It was, it was also weight that he was shedding off. And I think so. My heart is moved by my rescuer. I love him and I don't want to go this way. Anything that takes me this way, I'm cutting off of my life. I don't want to go that way. I already came from there. I don't want to stay here. I don't want to be the person that everyone else is validating their sin with. I'm not going to do that. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going this way. And anything that stops me from going this way, I'm cutting out of my life. So do you think so, church? Do you think that Jesus is worthy of discarding weight? I hope, I hope and pray that you believe that he is. I'll be back in a moment after we play this video and watch it together says that we are God's workmanship, his masterpiece. I don't know about you, but when I get up in the morning and look in the mirror, I don't really see a, a masterpiece, you know? I mean, maybe a Picasso. It's like, <laughs> but I want to be his masterpiece. I want to be everything he created me to be. And so I go to him in prayer and I say, dear heavenly father, do whatever it takes to mold me into the image of your son make me your masterpiece. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hi. Whoa. Who are you? I'm God. You said the prayer, so here I am. You're not God. No, I am. You said the prayer. That's how it works. Okay, okay. If you're God, then uh, make it snow in here. You know what? I really don't want to make it snow in here because it'd get kind of yucky. Yeah, you're not God. Why do you say that? God wouldn't say yucky. I do. It's a Greek word. Oh. Okay, okay. Um, if you're God, what does Lamentations 15.9 say? Lamentations is only five chapters. It's a very short book. Oh, why was it so short? I was tired of lamenting. Oh, okay, okay. If you're God, who's going to win the World Series this year? I'm really not into playing games. Why are you so much into playing games? You are God. What gave it away? You answered my question with a question. I did? <sighs> yeah, I do that. Don't I? I did it again. <laughs> Step right up. Here we go. Okay. All right. Hey, what are we doing? I'm going to make it my original masterpiece. This is the process. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. Wait, wait. What are these about? These are the tools I'm going to use to make you into my original masterpiece. Okay. Yeah. Hang on. Yeah. 
I thought you were a carpenter. That's my son. Step right up. Here we go. Okay. Oh, hey, God. Mm -hmm. How do you know what to chisel away and what to leave? I take out everything in your life that doesn't belong there, kind of like dead weight. Ooh, speaking of dead weight, could you chisel right here? It showed up when I was in my 20s and grew around and became back fat. I don't even know why you created that, but I can't get rid of it. I mean, I've tried everything. Like, I tried running, I tried lifting weights. My wife actually talked me into trying Pilates. That was awkward, but I can't get rid of it. So if you would just chisel around here, and then, you know what, if you chisel a line right here and maybe four to five, maybe eight lines right here, that would be awesome. You're funny. You made me that way. I also made the platypus. The platypus? All I'm saying is most of my children, when it comes to this process, they just want to talk, but they don't want to do the work. So do you want to talk or can I chisel? Talk, chisel, No, talk, no, chisel. no, 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 no. I choose to chisel. All right. Through my Holy Spirit, I'm going to bring up things in your life that I want you to work on. Like your anger. Mm. I created the emotion, but you use it in the wrong way. Um... Compare yourself to others instead of me. You tell little white lies because you want to people please. You're lazy. But you try to fool everybody by looking really, really busy. You have a problem with lust? Well, time out. <laughs> I don't really have a problem with lust. You don't have a problem with lust. No, I can do it anytime I want. Hang on a second. I mean, I, I got to admit, I, I feel like you've been doing some great work and I'm looking pretty good right now. All right, when you look in the mirror, who do you see? I see me. Okay, then I need to keep chiseling away because ultimately you and other people need to see my son. Okay, don't misunderstand me. It's just um, when I look more like Jesus, people get uncomfortable around me. I mean, even my church friends and they're like, oh, you're holier than thou, you know? And, and I, don't, I don't think I'm supposed to make people uncomfortable. So what you're saying is you'd rather play God in certain areas of your life than for me to be God over your whole life. That is not what I said. It's what you meant. Yes, it is. Um, it's hard to talk to you. You know everything that I'm thinking. I'm just saying you've done some great work. Maybe we take a break, a sabbatical from each other, you know. I'll stay right here and then, you That's know. That's just it. You never just stay right there. You're either moving toward me or away from me, but never you just stay. What you're doing is called control. Do you want to control things in your life or can I chisel? Control, chisel, control, no, chisel. No, chisel, chisel. All right. But can we chisel where I want? That's called control. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Now this right here, this secret sin that you keep running to whenever you're hurting, angry, lonely, tired, that you think you're fooling everybody, but it's making you a whitewashed tomb. Are you ready for me to chisel this out of your life? Yeah. See, it's a process. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's your whole life. And you care so deeply about what other people think of you. It's rubbish. It's garbage. The greatest thing you're ever going to hear is at the end of your life, when you hear me say, well done, good and faithful servant, that's what you keep your eye on. That's the prize, heavenward. Oh, that hurts. Oh, trust me, this hurts me more than it hurts you. Right. Okay. I'm sorry. I just, I don't think you understand this pain. Pardon me? You're asking me to sacrifice a lot, God. Don't talk to me about sacrifice. I know all about sacrifice. I sent my son to die on the cross for pain, for sin, but I also did it for another reason, to give you freedom. Do you know what insanity is? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. And there are things that you've been doing for years 
these empty wells that don't have anything to offer. You've been going to them and it's insane. Allow me to chisel them out of your life. Um, allow me to produce character where you keep focusing so much on your image. Okay, but I was thinking. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Okay, but if we went another way. Your ways are not oh, my ways. Oh, I can't. You can't what? I, I, I can't be good. That's your excuse. That's your excuse is that you can't be good. It's not an excuse. I can't. Oh, my child. In the beginning, I said it was good. I made you good. Be good. Yeah, but you and I both... What? Nothing. No, what is it? Nothing, okay? You wouldn't understand. I, God of all the universe, wouldn't understand something one of my children has to say. Try me. It's just, um... I let you down so many times, God. No, my child. You were never holding me up. I hold you up with my victorious, righteous right hand. Never the other way around. In this relationship, I hold you up. Okay. And chisel away. But just, just be prepared for what you're going to find in there. Because I know who's inside there. Because I get up every morning and I look at him in the mirror and I hate who I see. Because deep inside there, this, this, this little kid who gets up every morning and dresses like an adult. And I go out and I, and I try to do what I'm supposed to do, but I can't, okay? I can't be who everybody else expects me to be. God, I can't even be who I want to be, much less who you created me to be. And so inside is this scared, stupid little kid. But you chisel away, just be prepared. You have listened to so many voices for far too long that were not from me. And you have totally bought into the lie, haven't you? You think you're junk, don't you? When you lay your head down at night after you've done the dance to get the hug, you think you're junk. Listen to me. I don't take time to make junk. How can I show you that my love for you stretches as far as the east to the west? That How can I show you that my love for you has no end? I know. Reach in your back pocket. What? Reach in your back pocket. Why? Are you arguing with me? Reach in your back pocket. Oh, God. Yes? I just meant, God, I'll do that right now. You're just saying my name in vain. Come on. It's, it's a name. It's a saying. It's a name above all names. It's more than a saying. It's more than a name. I want to teach you something about my name. Reach in your back pocket. Oh, my gosh. You know what that is? Yeah, it's a, uh, it, it's a note. I, I wrote it when I was in college. How did you get this? Hello? Oh, yeah. Go ahead, read it. I love Angie. Other side. Sorry. Dear God, did I hear you right today? Did I hear you say that you love me? Even though you and I both know I've messed up so many times. Did I hear you say you want to use me? And I feel so useless. 
if you'll take me and use me, then God, I give you all that I am. Take me. I love you, God. I love you too. And I love you too much just to leave you where you're at. This salvation that you hold, I don't want it to be some sentimental gush or some head knowledge. I want you to work it out in every detail of your life. And when problems come and chaos happens, don't look at this as a prison, but look at it as a father disciplines his child. A father disciplines the ones he loves. I know, but it's going to be tough. Yes, but you bought into the lie thinking everything was going to be easy when you gave everything over to me. There will be trouble in this world, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I want you to do something. I want you to look out there and I want you to say, Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Tommy is God's. No, not the way you see yourself or you try so desperately for others to see you, but maybe for the first time in your life, the way I see you, the way I created you. Tommy, God's original masterpiece. Yes, you are. And so are you. God doesn't make junk. You are an original masterpiece. We could come to the music now. If the rest of you would uh, join me in prayer. Blocking out distractions if you need to by closing your eyes and bowing your head to, to focus on the joy that is set before us, church. On the great and wonderful joy that is irrespective of what's going on in this world, that's irrespective of how you feel, that's irrespective of what you've done, that's irrespective of what the devil can do, that's irrespective of how the devil has blinded the church, the cross is greater, his power is greater, his love is greater, his mercy is greater, his purposes are greater, his hand is more powerful, he has not lost control. He is not wringing his hands. He will be and always has been victorious. And he beckons for you to lay aside sins for sure and wait. So, I'm going to ask you to do something bold. Should you be someone and you say, Pastor Ben, I have wait. And I'm not going to do something where I deceive you into having you raise your hand and then you bring it right back down so that, so that no one else can see that you've got weight. If you want to see someone with weight, look at the pastor of this church. And by God's grace, by seeing the joy set before me, I've said, I don't want this weight anymore. So if you say this morning, I've got some weight, I have, my heart has been convicted of the Holy Spirit through God's Word. I want you just to stand right where you're at. If 
you're not standing, then I, I invite you now to stand up from where you're at and move over to someone next to you. Lay a hand on their shoulder and to pray quietly to for them that the Lord would make clear the vision before them to lay aside the weight. It becomes a whole lot easier when you see the joy set before you. So if you're still seated, please stand and go find someone to lay a hand on the shoulder of to pray for them. Uh, no singing right now. If we could just continue to minister to the Lord with music. Let's take some moments to pray. If there's no one next to you that's able to come and lay a hand on your shoulder, and you are in the first group of people that stood up and said, yes, I've got some weight, I want you to start in your family. If you've got someone in your family that stood up, and even if you've got weight and they've got weight, dads, pray for the children in your home. Pray for your wife. Start in your family. Let's take some moments to pray and ask the Lord to make clear the vision of the joy set before us. Father, I pray for these people. God, in a world where all is so, so blurry and so muddled, we don't know what to believe anymore. Would you make the vision clear, Lord, of the joy set before us? The redemption that you've bought. The healing of the sin sickness that you've brought to us, Jesus. The cross that we deserved. The punishment that you took for us, Jesus. The things that you've done that only you could do. Standing in the gap that no man could fill. Make the vision clear, Lord. Make it so clear that we don't love weight anymore. Make the weight go away so that we can run this race set before us with passion and vigor and our head held high in joy. Let the blinders come off today, I pray. Let the blinding work that the devil has done be demolished today. Let the vision be made clear, Lord, for what it is that you have done. We love you, Jesus. Let us march towards holiness that you've called us to. Let us lay aside the sin and the weight. Be with us. Encourage us. Let us not be a deceived people. We need you, Jesus. We need you in Jesus' name. And we stay together. Let's sing together as we worship.